Black Box Radio. We are a media platform illustrating black excellence. You already know. We out here. Hey. Black Box Radio. Boxer. Boxer. Black Box Radio. Boxer. Black Box Radio. Um, tonight we have in studio Dr. Cleo Monago. Is that right? Exactly. That's right. Dr. Cleo Monago. We appreciate you coming in tonight. Thank you for the invitation. And we really, really are excited. Well, great. So am I. Um, we're going to give the, the family like a little context. Like, you know, when I met you, met you at, uh, a, I think it was a symposium at Arch Social Club, right? Yes. And they were talking about uh, the trauma. Well, no, they were talking no, they about. Weren't. No, they didn't say nothing about no trauma. No, they didn't. Let me get it right. That's right. Thank you. You was about to get me. Like, no, they weren't. <laughs> that, was one of, that was one of the gaps, frankly, at that meeting. You're right. And who brought the trauma up, my ask? Well, you brought it up, and then I brought it up. That's right. Yeah. I think you brought it up first. I think I brought it up first, yeah. And then I came back. So let's give the people a little context. They were, they were talking about. Um, at the arch, the environment and cleaning up and cleaning up North Avenue and right. and getting the people in a place where they could uh, appreciate the neighborhood and yes. appreciate the resources in the neighborhood and what arch can bring to right. the arch social club, which is the oldest, oldest social club in the U- in the U.S. I think. I think so Black too. social club. Black, yeah. yeah. So over um, hundred years old. Over hundred years old, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But what's going on in front of the arch right now? It's not it's nothing nice. It's a lot of traffic. Um, it doesn't look positive. Right. So, um, and interestingly enough, as you know, there was a visiting group from Kentucky. From Kentucky, yes. Who talked about as a, for lack of a better term, a demonstration project. Sure. Of bringing the community together that supposedly had similar dynamics around economics. Yes. Et cetera. Sure. Um, in Kentucky. From a mine, because they were a mine. They were a coal mining community. Coal mining community, community. exactly. And And they were now going through hard times. Right. Drugs. Yeah. Same anomalies that affect poor people. Similar anomalies, yeah. Yeah, similar anomalies. And they were white in terms of the two communities that- 99% white. 99% white. Mm -hmm. And and the um, people that spoke were white, Mm -hmm. except for one brother who was married to somebody white. So it was a lot of white going on. I think he's shaded. And that's not shade. That's like saying that this. It's this, clarity. It's clarity. I guess because, you're right. And it's relevant clarity from, right. my, from my perspective. Sure. Because one of the things I was missing was the context of the black experience in the, in the society. And no one spoke to that. While bringing such bright ideas, in, in I think in well intended neighborhood for, with in black a black people. neighborhood with black people, yeah, and that's what was amiss to me. That's what gave me pause when he was making these comparisons yeah. to me that was nonsensical. Yeah, because you can compare, of course, the plight. You can compare poverty. You can compare lack of jobs, resources. Yes, that's yeah. all applicable. Right. But you cannot negate the race card as they call it, because like you can take a card out with your race. It's some foolishness. Right. But we're talking about you cannot. And that's why I wanted to, to, to make sure that um, they knew is like you cannot negate the blackness. Right. Because when they approach us, they approach us as property. And when they approach white people who are poor, they approach them as partners. 
So that was the- They also approach as, as experiments. Like, yes. Yes. So it's property. You can do anything with property. Yeah. So, you know, they, they utilize us and then they partner with their own. Right. So you cannot say that the experience is the same if the approach at the beginning can't well, be the same. One issue I want to raise that I think is relevant that, okay. that I attempted to um, bring up there is that I have been to lots of meetings, including all black meetings. Sure. Where ain't no white folks- Physically there, only only <laughs> systemically there and sure. mentally there. Sure. I call it the Cato Kalin syndrome. Remember OJ had this white boy living on his property for free? Yes. Remember that? Yes. So we got a white boy living in there for free too, in our heads. Got it. But um what often is missing, even in the blackest in terms of color meetings, mm-hmm. is people talking about system issues and structural issues and talking about bringing in structures, but they don't deal with the several generation problem of normalized anti-black trauma, impulses, self-concept, the fact that this this experience has caused injury, that has become culture. Sure. And you cannot, a lot of black experiments have failed with good intentions without white folks because we want to use systems that usually come, come out of a college book or something or some kind of research project uh-huh. instead of unpacking and indirectly addressing the fact that we're dealing with intergenerational trauma as a people. Sure. That always causes us to relapse and back into behavior that is difficult and problematic. And for example, and there's tons of them, but police brutality, we have not resolved that. The the Black Panthers came into being because of that. Garvey talked about police brutality, but we haven't resolved it, in my opinion, because we are in a perpetual state of questioning whether we deserve to, to really be liberated. And, and it's powerful or more powerful than white folks. Mm. We are in question about whether we're worthy of that. It's all unconscious. I want to make that clear. It's not a we're conscious. We're not saying it, but it's, it's an unconscious uh, feeling well, we have inside. I mean, just the other day, and this is a norm, a sister got mad at me online about something trivial and, and called me a F and N. And that was her way and of bringing me down to size. And she and that's a white supremacist motif. Sure, sure. They they came up with that. And we say crazy stuff like, well, we're reclaiming it. You can't reclaim it. It ain't yours. That's from somebody else. Reclaim means when somebody takes something from you, like our culture and music, which they do take from us, sure. and then taking it back. But white supremacy and the word, the N word, was never ours. So you can't take by language that you didn't even create. And, and, you, and you have to have a self esteem issue to take an un- insult back and try to put sugar on it. Wow. I mean, you, you're not going to have Jews say, I'm a kike. Or eight Asians go, I'm, I'm a chink and I'm going to take it back. And they go, you better get out of my face with that stuff. And that's what we should be doing, too. You but know, that takes self-love and respect. I, I've never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. I always said, you know, you put power in the word. Okay. Yeah. There's no power. Powerful people. Okay. My last part of this, because I know he has a question for me, is that power is obvious. Okay. People talk this stuff about the N-word and power. Where that power at? That you suppose he took it back. Where is it? Well, they're saying like you own the word. But like, what, what, okay, but what's you can't the, make me feel well, what, bad well, when you say it. What's the benefit of all of that? Where? where? Well, how do you benefit from it, right? I mean, you know, the people who don't allow themselves to be disrespected are doing way better than us mm-hmm. on every level. 
what you do, if, if I called you a dumb MF, you're not going to go get a T-shirt made and 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 and, and be inside a dumb MF. When we go say, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy and reject it. That's what self-respecting people do with an insult. And the N-word is an insult. And the, ins- and the, and the normalization of its usage is part of the injury that I was talking about at the social arts club, whatever it's called, because we ca- we got to deal with the injury. So you're saying the injury is why you can embrace a word yeah. that is really an insult. It's kind of like if you've met a brother. Only an injurious person would do that. Have you ever met a brother or sister in a domestic violence relationship? Uh-huh. And you go, and they, and they go to come to work with with a black guy. And your question is, why are you going back? Uh-huh. I love him. Uh-huh. I've heard this, is, this. That's our relationship to white supremacy and the N-word. It's a domestic violence relationship that we feel like we can't live without. And that's what a pimp does. A pimp makes their prey feel like, you can't live without me. So wow. you better just stay here because you, you, it's better to be with me. And that's our relationship with white supremacy and the N-word, among other things. Yeah. So I, we, we jump straight in, and I don't even think people even know who you are other than just your name. <laughs> yeah, I'm the was, N-word you know guy, what, you right? You know what? Because we were talking about how we met. <laughs> right. So the yeah, context so of how we met. So, let's segue into that. Right, right. We talked about how you met. <laughs> yeah. And we, we went straight it. into white supremacy. <laughs> right. So let's don't kind of, bring that up. No, no, no. no, no. We got to bring it up. Yeah, but I think it's important that people kind of know who you are and where you're coming from outside of the fact that you met Queen somewhere. Who is that's Dr. Not, Cleo Monaco? Your, your credential isn't the fact that you bumped into Queen. You real talk, real talk. <laughs> so who my is resume Dr. Tomorrow, Cleo? Though. Yeah, you got to add that to your resume. <laughs> <laughs> and I met Queen. <laughs> So, like I said, I'll answer anything you want me to answer. All right. So, who is Dr. Cleo Bonacco? Who is okay. this person? Well, that's a very people, broad question, right? Yeah, let it the is people broad. know. Let is, people where, know. where are you from? I am originally from South Central Los Angeles, um, the Bay Area, in Seattle, Washington, in Jackson, Mississippi. The reason I bring you in all those places is because I lived in those places as a child, and they're all relevant to my development. Right. So, but hovered around L.A. mostly. Okay. Oh wow! Okay. South Central. And when did you make it out? When did you make it out east? And what brought you out here? <laughs> you said make okay. it out like it was. Well, prison. in short, um, I've never liked L.A. Um, I've never liked L.A. in particular. And even when I was a little kid, I would say, "When I, when I get grown, kids get grown. <laughs> when I get grown, I'm out of here." And and my first opportunity that I got, I left. I used I was a musician as well once upon a time. And I was one of the ways that I got out playing professionally on tour with people. Um, but I also, bass. But I also simultaneously was concerned about black folks, things that, that I saw as a child that were not helpful that we were doing that were, I mean, the brother that you had on the show previously, to me, brought up some of the issues in terms of Baltimore and some of the behaviors that are present here that are not constructive. There's reasons for that, which I know now, which I didn't have the analysis I have now as a kid. Sure. But as a kid, I was actively like, what the heck is going on here? We're talking about skin color, blacky, good hair, bad hair. Jesus and God was white. And my, my, my grandmother treated the dark-skinned kids differently than she light-skinned kids. And I was a, a very perceptive baby watching this stuff. And instead of going along with it, like my, my, my siblings, I was, I was like... What's going on here? And this could not. This could never. And I was a dark-skinned child in the family too, which may be relevant to my analysis. But I was like, this ain't gonna work out right. There's something. 
And there's other things which I may or may, may or may not get into it in terms of my development and growing up okay. and going to college and blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is I was a young kid in a very dysfunctional household um, and who was very perceptive about, about general dysfunctions that black people did, skin color, colorism, et cetera. Um, I was very, very concerned. And when I learned about this phenomenon called psychology, when I was in the ninth grade and I heard about Freud and Jung and what that was, I said, ooh, that, I think that's what, that's the area I want to go into because people around me is crazy. <laughs> and this allegedly is an issue or a topic or category of work that addresses state of mind, well-being, self-concept, et cetera. Okay. And this was the ninth grade you found, and this, this was in was, California This was still. in California ninth grade when I heard, when I first remember hearing about psychology, okay. that it was a thing. Okay. So and, you still was in, on the West Coast? Yes. Okay. And then I had lots of experiences that I'll try to summarize because it takes so, take so long of, work, of working with other people, being busted other places, being in a situation where I had an opportunity to check some of the myths like white people were better than us and stuff like that. And, and they were sitting right next to me. As a matter of fact, one of the most powerful things that happened to me as a kid, because I was actively trying to figure this out, was I was in a biology class and there was two white boys sitting behind me. Uh-huh. And they kept always copying up my paper because I got good grades. And one time I said in classroom, as a, I said, y'all supposed to be superior. What the hell are you doing copying off my paper? Y'all supposed to be the ones who better than everybody. <laughs> Look and they were, they were flabbergasted and shocked. They didn't, expect, <laughs> they didn't expect all of that. They were just trying to get the A, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? But... I was serious about it. I was like, wait a minute. Anyway. So you was so, black power ninth grade? Well, I wouldn't say black p- power. Maybe Michael Evans. I would say <laughs> yes, that sir. I was analytical it, and had Evans. no tolerance for um, hypocrisy. Right, right. And racism happens to be a major hypocrisy. So right. early on, you, you was on it. I, and my family didn't give me a lot of direction, so... Um, you I, had to get your own little yeah. tools and perceptions. And one more thing, like I said, my development is a long story, but I'm going to give you some things that I, check, that I think are important footprints. Okay. When I was in the second grade, we had a babysitter named Pokey. And I'll never forget Pokey. Pokey was about your complexion. And she had big uh, puff, Afro puffs. Afro puffs. Mm-hmm. So this was in the 70s then? Yes, okay. as a matter of fact. Right. As a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> How did you know? Them? Anyway, right, right, right. it's true. It's right, true. Right. I'm, I'm just trying to, because so, time, time is important. Because, real talk, absolutely. Real talk. Because so, there's some historical things that happened that would have that would have been absolutely. affected your environment. And what I'm going to talk about is, is, is exactly what you're talking about. Pokey, Thank you, psychologist. Pokey was in the Black Panthers. <laughs> Pokey? Pokey. Oh, she was into the Black Panthers. Pokey was in the Black Panthers. Oh, she was in the Black Panthers, for and real? And Pokey wow. used to take my sisters and I, and I'll never forget this, it's a wonderful, one of the wonderful experiences of my childhood, to the breakfast. Yes, that, that's how they started. And the food was off the chain. Really? And not only was the food off the chain, they were so kind and so sweet. Baby, baby, you want some more? How you doing, honey? Now, now the reason why that's so relevant is that at night, on the news, uh-huh. I heard that they were... Uh, militants yes. and right. and horrible and I was right. like and it mixed match from your personal yeah. experience and yeah. I couldn't talk to my, my I couldn't talk I, I think Pokey didn't want my f- mother and father to know that they, that she was taking us to the oh so you couldn't talk about so, it. it I probably couldn't talk about it anyway frankly that's a whole other story but the bottom line is that I was watching TV and hearing about and, and, I, and I remember the darlings and the honeys and the babies from them to us yeah. giving us food and stuff like that. I said that don't 
to myself, but I remembered it, and then I learned who they were, blah, blah, blah. It's a long, more and more to my story in terms That's of amazing. how I developed. I've never met anyone who experienced the Black Panthers oh, breakfast program. I was right there. Because they absolutely started that way. Yes. They ended yeah. that way, too. I mean, a lot of the what a lot of what happened to them, without sounding too dramatic, is what happened to Michael Michael and Ferguson and Trayvon. They just were murdered for being black. Yes, 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 yes. They yes. weren't never bad people. I, I'm they clear were never, about They that. were never perfect. Nobody is. But they always were well-intended, powerful, pro-black people who were trying to advance us and protect us. And the reason some of this Black Panther stuff or police brutality came up earlier was because the point I was making was we haven't resolved that. But before I go into that, I want to hear more of your questions because I want to go back. No, so so you, uh, you moved around a lot when you were young and at, and then you said you left to be a musician. Was that before you went to college and got your education or was that after? How, how did that fall in place? Okay. My mother and I used to have a fun competition. My mother had dropped out of school to have me. And when she... When I graduated from elementary school to middle school, she graduated from adult college, I mean, excuse me, from, from high school to college. Wow. When I graduated from junior high school to high school, my mother graduated and got her first degree. Then when I graduated from high school to college, trying to stay with my, my mother, she graduated and went to law school. Wow. And I went to college for my first year, but I dropped out. Of college because of, of racism, all kind of stuff I just couldn't deal with. And where was college at? Cal State Long Beach. So this is- I Cal- went back later, to be clear, but I, but at that point I stopped. Okay. Um, at that time when I stopped and was off of my trajectory, I was already a musician. I was a so-called child prodigy and I played cello. But I want to move to something more funky from cello is a four string instrument. You may or may not know. I don't know if you know, but I'm yeah. it. but it's a four string instrument. I need to be something funky to add a four string. Right. And I started playing the bass. Right. Yeah, that's but a the little time, more sexy. The timing would have been right to play the bass. A little more sexy too. Oh, you know some stuff, huh? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he, he knows some stuff, yeah. but he's absolutely right. Right. I mean, the the seventies, eighties, and nineties was bass heaven. <laughs> right. Bass players was killing. Yep. And and it's now bass players are killed, not right. killing. But that's a it's done now, right? That's a whole other issue. But the bottom line is that, yes, when I left college and left my com- my loving competition with my mother, because um, I couldn't take I couldn't take the racism, which I may or may not get into detail if it's necessary, but trust me, it was a very traumatizing experience. Okay. I um, did one year, left, started playing the bass. When I was in high school, I was a child prodigy on the bass. I began bass in high school. Mm-hmm. And the music teacher... Um, brought me to studio sessions, and I was a prodigy, so I was able to go to right. studio sessions. Right, you were in L.A. I was in L.A. So that was a good place to be. Yeah. Anyway. It's a music man. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, frankly, very early in my career, what I learned when I started meeting famous people who, who were renamed, remain unnamed, uh-huh. they were just as crazy as, as when it comes to black issues and mm-hmm. and and oppression, sickness, and anti-black impulses and and chasing white folks to make up for being black and that kind of crazy stuff that I'll get probably get into later. They were just as crazy as the poor people or working class people or everyday people I, I, met, I met with. I mean, crazy. Yeah. They just have more money to, 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 to yeah, pay for their insanity. Yeah, white supremacy impacts us all the same way. And I said to myself, you know, you're not, you play music and you enjoy it, but you're not away from what concerns you. You need to try to find a way to get back into psychology or activism or something because this really bothers you and you believe that it, it doesn't have to be like this. 
So I would try to do gigs and try to do activism. And But anyway, um, short story, I was living in the Bay Area, and I don't know if you know about the Bay Area fires, but in the Bay Area, there's often fires in the hills. Mm -hmm. um, during one of my um, vacations for music, I was I asked a friend of mine who had a huge garage, <clears throat> could I put my equipment in his garage? To make a long story short, he lived up in those mountains where the fires was coming. He called me one day and said, Cleo, you better come get your stuff because our our home is in a firing, I think they call them fire lines or fire trail. Right, in the path, yeah, in, in the, the path, in the path of the fire. And um, make a longer story, a little bit shorter. I went and got my stuff. I brought it to San Francisco where I live. And the next day, my stuff was burned up. Mm. In San Francisco, not in the fire right. lane. Really? And his house didn't even get touched. Right. And to show you how deep it was, give you a little drama here. I got home at night and the porch light is usually on. Every night is always on, forever. But it wasn't on that night. So that was the first sign that something was strange. And I walked up the stairs and I stepped on the top stairs and, I, and there was water. And it hadn't been raining or anything. So I didn't, I, the front, the front looks pristine. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell nothing was going on except there was water. I opened up the door and there was no back. Ooh. You know, the whole back was gone because the fire apparently was in the back of the building and it bur everything was bur burned up. And my little bass guitar was sitting in the middle of the heap, bent. It had bent because of the heat. Right. Just I said, okay. Kind of melted. I said, message gotten. No more confusion about. Tell me no more. <laughs> I, and I haven't played since. Really? Because I looked at that as a, as a sign of, you know, everything got burned up. And again, what's Never deep about it, it was taken out it. of the dang fire. It was taken out of the dang fire zone to save it in, the, in, the, in his it's house. burned up. Got the person yeah. I was there with their house got So the got second burned. house it was burned and, and there was no other fire. I mean, no other building. The buildings next door didn't get, didn't get, it was How that building. How can you go from a love for music and just start? Oh, I still love it now. Right. And, and, and the bass is coming back. You got cats like Thundercat and Mono Neon. Oh, you Thunder got, was a bad boy. So you, it's. I don't know but, what other guys you're talking about, oh, but Thundercat. Yeah. Ain't no joke. You should, there's this. One of the one of the great things now is is the double edged sword of technology. But there's this like nine year old kid named Aaron, the bassist, and he's just got these it's just these videos of him playing this insane soulful like it's like it was downloaded into him. He's definitely a prodigy too. Um, is he playing with, with with a band or just by himself? He, he has a band and he's like. And he play he plays with different most of his videos in the beginning were just him playing along with other songs, but people saw it and then, you know, he okay. he goes around but I gotta yeah. check him out. Yeah. Well, most okay. Definitely. Music talk. I so, love it. You know, even if you're not going anywhere to do it, you know, and you still can appreciate you it. Can still but what appreciate you know about it. music though? I mean, maybe you both, I mean you both interviewed me, but you man. you're intriguing me because art you knew about you knew about art. the seventies, right, you knew about the right. context of bass in the seventies. Yeah. And you knew about what's happening. I'm like, well, how do you know all this? I, I do <laughs> I do know quite a bit about music. Um oh, okay. so I um used to DJ. Um I, I had a briefly in the late nineties, I co founded a, a, a independent record label. Oh, okay. Worked with a bunch of artists there. Um, my partner at the label, he was from New Jersey. He grew up there in the 60s, 70s. So he kind of was there at the beginning of hip hop. And he had this really huge collection of music. So I had a chance to experience through him. I was fortunate to meet this old jazz singer named Irv. And he had this 
incredible library of music. So I had access to a lot of really great okay. music to listen to and get yeah, context you know, from. I can tell you, you know the essence of music, I can tell. Love right. it. Art loves art. Yeah. All right. So enough about me. We, we, well, we, what I haven't talked about is my preparation to be a behavioral health and cultural expert. Right. Um, in, in short. Yes. Um, because that's the first thing on your bio. <laughs> and I need to know what that is. A behavioral health I wish, I'm trying and to find, cultural I'm trying expert. To, well, let me tell you what that means. What does that mean? Um, the, the reason I'm focused on behavioral health is because I'm concerned about the health and well-being of black people in black culture. And what creates dysfunction or how dysfunction is executed in cultures through behavior how people behave. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to um, be involved in trying to improve behavior or do behavior change or behavioral transformational work for black people is concentrated in an analysis of culture. Right. Mm. And black people, um, no matter what we've gone through, we are inside of a cultural soup. Now, unfortunately, our cultural soup has some rotten vegetables in it. <laughs> Typically poured in by racism and white supremacy. Sure. That at this point in time, because we're going on 300 years of, of being in, in, the, in the contamination of this all, and it's been a, no sanctuary from the contamination. It's been relentlessly exposed to it. Sure. Unlike people in the Caribbean, comparatively, who have their food, who have sometimes African accents. Sure. Or sure. in Brazil and places they like that. They have some type of culture. But they still have a direct evidence sure. of African bloodlines. Sure. We'd be breaking our necks trying to get away from it. Sure. And, and I've been trained to be sterilized, domesticated, anti-black, white, black people. And if you're- so, Wait, 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 bro. Wait a minute, bro. Come on, come on. Say that again. Domesticated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say that again. <laughs> he, was in, he was in the moment. But, I, yeah. but you got to go I back. back. Yeah, I yeah. got to get that back. She, she, What's it I, called? Domesticated? We're domesticated. We're domesticated, sterilized, sterilized, anti-black, black, anti-black people. Anti -black, black people. I mean, we're we're, we're, we're wow. white anti. We're anti-black, and we've I mean, been taught this, right? Well, it's not even a direct teaching. Uh, it's originally, a, we were taught during slavery. We were straight up taught. So we were straight up taught. You had to be taught for it to be inherent. It, well, once we normalize having their names, only speaking English, um, what that God is white. Mm -hmm. And going to churches that we pack to the gills with a white Jesus up there, which implies that we're inferior because God don't look like us. That that garbage was implanted in us centuries ago. Sure. So now all white people got to do is watch. We do it. We teach it ourselves. Well, it sounds too intentional when you put it like that. Okay. Again, a lot of what we do is not based on a plan. It's based on it's inherent habit. It ain't inherent. It's not inherent. It's okay. based mm -hmm. on intergenerational context of living in a certain way. Got it. So it's 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 more of a repetitive movement. We've learned it. For example, if I, if I told it. you right now to, to to speak Swahili or I'm gonna kill you, you probably gonna have to wind up dying, right? Sure. Not by choice. You didn't, you didn't choose it's to, because to, I just to, don't know it. To have a live in a white supremacist linguistic prison because that's what English is. Built in English is words that are anti-black. 
Devil Foods Cake. You've heard it. Andrew's Foods Cake, The Good Cake. You know, Little White Lies. Yeah. And the ones they don't talk about is the big black ones, which is the wrong ones, the bad ones. And, you know, a, 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 Had a Black Day and yeah. and Angels, you know, Doves. Ain't nothing but a pigeon with, who needs some skin, needs some color. <laughs> they know that it, it's, a, it. it's a pigeon. So everything but, but we, but we white is beautiful. But we're not trained. When we're children, and I've literally researched this, most of our children get go to school, baby, go to get education, and get a job. They get no analysis of, of the of the environment they live in. Okay. For example, that's why when a Dylan Roof can slaughter and murder nine people and shoot 12 people, some of us break our neck to forgiving. But O.J. Simpson still ain't forgotten, have, have not been forgiven. They don't, white people don't play that. But we always, the, the people, Amber Guy, you remember Amber Geiger, yes. the damn judged hugged her. The, the brother of the brother who was murdered hugged her. And the other sister was fixing her hair. What's wrong with us, man? Well, see, we need to ask those questions when they're not being rhetorical. What's wrong with us is unresolved, internalized white supremacy. That's what's wrong with us. And until we, there's a brother named Neely Fuller, genius, who was a big influence on Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, who you may or may not know. Love sure. her. I love her too. Love her. He said, and I'm messing up his quote because I don't have it precise, but he basically says, if you don't understand white supremacy, you don't understand nothing. And it's true because white supremacy myth is a myth. So I always add the word myth to it because they're always trying to rob us and appropriate us because they envy us because without us, they're nothing. But we don't know that. We we get mad at black people and blame black people for stuff that is the consequence of white supremacy. All day long. All day long. All but day not long. because we're bad and stupid. It's because we've been trained to, for example, there's a show on TV right now called Watchmen that you might have heard of. I have heard of That's it. built around the- Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Is that right? Now- a lot of what they've done to us, including Black Wall Street, is diabolical. It ain't lightweight. It's, it's like it's, it's horrible. You can't even. There's no words. It's not inhuman. To it's to so talk malicious. about what they what they did. Sure. They murdered babies, murdered people. Kids, it's just terrible. Who did nothing Whole but prosper? Families. Who did nothing but prosper? And yep. I don't know if you remember. I'm just gonna show you how they how they are. I don't know if anybody in this room went to Man Man March. I did the first one. The first one. But the f first thing they did there was so many was <laughs> was say it was only two hundred thousand people. I don't know if you remember this. Remember the um, reports, but they claimed they had a satellite over. Sure, sure. It wasn't and I a was lot. there. It was it was it's more than a two, million. Two at least two million. It was more but they than minimized. The reason so I raised that is because they keep saying that only three hundred people died. Black people died at Wall Street. But I knew a sister who's who was from there who said it was thousands of people who were murdered. But the problem to make to you is that. That causes trauma. That causes, you know, being watching people be murdered and killed, losing your home, losing everything, get burned down when you was just having lunch and just chilling. Sure. It causes. It's like a. It's like a horrific atomic bomb level rape. That it's over and there's no sanctuary or healing process. And you demonize through that process. Right. Because they call it a riot. Yeah. It was a massacre. It, it was wasn't a, a riot. It was actually a massacre. Absolutely. So. My point is that instead of, at this late date, instead of teaching our children the truth, we still have an unconscious um, tendency to accommodate white people and accommodate whiteness. You've probably been in a meeting before for the grown people and somebody complained about racism and said, you know, there's this white girl. 
Have you ever seen that before? Yeah. Everybody black. Why are you whispering? <laughs> yeah. Kato Kalin. Yes, you're right. That's why you're whispering. So we're, we we have a we white supremacist trauma about the man. that we have to unpack or else we gonna, or else we are in major, major trouble. And we're going to keep having meetings like the one that you and I were at. That if you and I weren't there. No one would have said that. If you and I weren't there. Absolutely. They would have went on talking about having meetings and bringing out charts and what we can do. And then they would have brought it here. White folks would have made money. It would have been a failure. And they would have went on back to the Appalachian. You know the white guy came and told me, I appreciate your comment. He came to me too. He was all in my face like a fly. (laughs) I said, well, listen, I just had to make you understand that your premise is not correct. Well, see, you're more more patient than me. I mean, I don't want to sound mean. I'm just trying to say this in a nice way. I have no energy for them. I don't want to talk to them. I'm, and, and it's not an issue of being mean and evil. It's an issue of energy is like gas. It's a precious resource that I don't want to just- You don't th- want to waste it. I don't want to throw it around. Wow. I focus. My, my job is the reparation of black self-concept. I don't need to talk to you. Mm. Go talk to, you know, Queen or <laughs> one of those people. So you don't even want to talk. Don't even want to have a conversation. I'm not so, interested. Let, let's segue into this self-concept. I'm not interested. Because this is important because black people have no self-concept. We think we do, but we, we don't. don't have a black self-concept. That's what I'm saying. We don't have a black affirming self We have something that's been conjured for us or that's been diluted or so what someone <laughs> perceives us to be. So self-concept, how do we... Like reinstall a, a self concept that's positive, that is uplifting. How is that going to be implemented in our community? Because we need it. As you know, I might, that, that I mentioned to you that I run a center here in Baltimore called the Amasi Center for Black Wellness and Culture. Uh huh. And the purpose of the Amasi Center for Black Wellness and Culture is to be a wellness center that give gives Black people the literacy, strategy, and behavioral nuances and frame of reference to learn to love ourselves in our own image and to unlearn the myth of white supremacy and black inferiority. But we don't even know that we don't have this. Well, that's why, how do we get that's to why that being point? on shows like yours are important because people are going to hear this and there's some consideration they're going to have that they probably never had before. True. Like I did with the N word with you earlier. Yep. They're going to hear some things and go, Oh, but that's my job. I'm an old person. Uh, matter of fact, I call it trans breaking. My work is called right. His middle, his, um, his middle initial is O. Cleve? O. His memory's killing me. But you know what? That is excellent that you, what you said was so poignant. Because you said that, oh, that was amazing. You you said that, I said earlier that black people don't have this, what we would say, uh, a sense of self, right? So if they don't have that, how do they know even if they hear a show like this, that, listen, I got a problem. I don't know what I am and who I am. How do you come to a center for your for the help that you can give them? How does a regular lay black person who works every day, that, that you know, don't really have a lot of problems in their life, how do you not know, how do you recognize this white supremacy thing? Because when I talk to other black people, they're like, uh-uh, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. And they don't, I'm not from Africa. They don't, they don't want anything. <laughs> they always tell me that. I'm, I'm, my parents are from here. My grandparents are born here. I don't understand okay. that 
thing that we have, this divorce of Africa, divorce of our culture. We're anti-black. I mean, as trained. You said it. That's as trained. Right. It's, not, it. it's not genetic. It's not on purpose. This is training. It's like that's why I use the metaphor of speaking English and trying to speak Swahili. You can't do it because you don't know it. It's not a personal choice that you've made as a baby. I'm going to go Swahili. I'm not going to, you know, you were born and you were in this context and it, you were raised in it with no critical analysis. See, what's missing from the black experience and part of my work is centered around is the importance of developing a critical analysis. Critical analysis. For example, and then I want to get to your question about how do people hear about it, but I want to give you an example of, of um, how we trigger critical analysis. Okay. Black people, unfortunately, but fortunately for me in terms of my strategies, are the biggest TV watchers and movie watchers disproportionately in this I country. I just heard the numbers. Yeah. Like 78%. Yeah. We watch so TV. We watch racism, white supremacy all day long, or eating popcorn or whatever, <laughs> with no critical analysis. Yep. So what I'll do is this. I'll ask people, and this is a real thing that we do. It's not I'm making this up. There's a popular show, very popular, black people, everybody loved it, called King of Thrones. Game of Thrones? Game, I'm sorry. Thank you. This dude is... I want this brain when everybody leaves here. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yes. people do like that. I've never seen it. And it's racist as hell. Really? Oh, yes. But I'm getting ready to tell you, for example. Now, we don't, one thing that we do strategically, we never tell people how to think. Like, we would never tell them to read Dr. Welsing or something like that to start or go back to Africa mm -hmm. or nothing like that. We just ask them to actually take a look at their environment. What they're consuming. What they're consuming. Sure. And, we've, and, we've, and my staff is trying to be very calm. And have a very neutral demeanor. Okay. Because you're already black and suspect in, the, in their subconscious anyway. Sure. So stay, and never, never, never do none of, do not, none of, you know, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> stay very, and practice, you know. Very sterile. No, not sterile, but very harmonious. Harmonious. Which, which is Love different it. than sterile. Have Love harmony, it. you know, come in, get some sleep. Because not having enough sleep can make people go off. Mm -hmm. So rest, because we can really do some transformative work here, and we have to be in a good space to do that. So, I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to leave Game of Thrones alone and may go back to, to go to a more simpler show that's also probably called Just Us or This Is Us or what's it called? I don't know. This I don't is watch us. TV. This Is Us. This Is, is a show. Us. It's a very, very popular show. When I say to my audience, which is all, often 99 to 100% black, name a love story that's reliable on popular television that I'm not talking about cable because not everybody can afford cable, but everybody can afford NBC, CBS, name a popular show that's always on TV. That's not a comedy. And I break down the significance of that later, but I say that's not a comedy, but that's a drama where there's black people who love each other and they think and they think, and they always say they can't help themselves. They always say, um, say empire. Um, they, they'll, they'll say empire, which is not positive at all. They'll say power, which is about a black man who won't touch his black wife, mm -hmm. who's chasing a white looking Latina, who's selling drugs. He don't even have a relationship. Him and his black wife don't even talk. Have you seen anybody? Have you seen the show? No, okay. I don't watch it. Well, yeah. it's not positive. And then I'll tell them that. And then they'll go to their, their happy place, which is This Is Us, because there's a positive, loving black couple in that show. This Is Us. Okay. And I'll, and I'll stay very calm and I go, well, give me some of the attributes of that couple. Who is the star of that relationship? It's the husband. Okay. He's the star of that relationship. And I go, okay, so what's his, what's his situation? To make a long story short, because we don't, we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. This positive black man has white parents. What? Who saved him from his black parents who were drug addicts and one died of AIDS. Now, you got to remember, the whole thing is fiction. 
about as true as Santa Claus. So they made but this up. They, oh, they, they make it all up. So they made up the age. They make, the but attic. see, but we're emotionally involved. Wow. You, you know, how people watch soap operas and blah. They're like, what happened? What happened? I mean, we just, you know, emotionally involved. Sure. And the show is very well written. It's very seductive. I don't watch it because I boycott all this stuff, but I did see two two shows. So on this show, this is us. The very popular father, black father figure as a black wife not a positive was man. created by white people who saved him. Yes. And the white savior myth, like the white Jesus myth, is a very destructive myth to black people that reinstates the myth of our white codependence in need of them to be valuable and to be healthy. Wow. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Symbolism is amazing. They, they look at me like it. I'm crazy because they because they know it's not. They know what I'm saying is true. And they can't deny it. And they go, I never thought about that. Well, so, well, that's the whole goal. When you when you watch when you watch white supremacist agendas with no critical analysis, you internalize all the the, the agenda. If you from now on, when you watch that show because of your experience with me, you're gonna you're gonna go, well, how come we, there's no storyline behind the wife? That. Is amazing. Well, that's, that's you just taught us something. That's part of the work. That is amazing work. Critical thought, right? And critical analysis. Critical, black, right. It's called BCA, Black Critical Analysis. And black I think it's very, critical. That was amazing. I think it's really if you're if you're having a conversation about culture, then the art that emerges is what is the contents of the culture that kind of passes on the messages. Um, so I think that's a really powerful way to think about the environment that um, our entertainment or our consumption or our media environment. Yeah. And is, how we're digesting it, yeah. you know. Right. And, and, no and, critical and, analysis. And, and what is reinforcing. And it's, yeah. and it's packaging this foolishness that, that we're going through every day. It comes from what we're consuming. That's why I don't watch TV. Because I totally know that that's a construction. That's a box that is breaking us down. Absolutely. But and, as you know, most of us are watching. And they know who watches. They have the numbers. When people look for numbers, it's a reasoning. Then they set up content to control that number. And if the controlling class is a part of that number, then they set up content content to keep you controlled. So that's why the TV is so prominent. I also heard that number of 76% or 78% of black people watch TV, but also six, and I heard it just today while I was working out, I listened to like a lot of books and stuff, 67% um, college graduates do not read a book after college. Yeah. So yeah. even our most educated do not continue right, see, to what, expose their mind. But what's missing once from graduation? Well, what's missing from that analysis? That's see, crazy. There's so much to talk about. But see what this this see what bothers me about this kind of research is they never give you the reasons why. The reason why that not reading phenomena occurs after 67 percent yeah. for the same reason I left school the curriculum is 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 offensive in that it's totally dismissive of black humanity the black part of the human story the relevance of being black is not in most most college curriculums and most of these people that you're talking about are males and this is a patriarchal society that implies that being a male is more valuable than being a female yes and then you are a male who's, in my opinion, black, who was just as victimized as a black woman in terms of incarceration, rape, and everything else sure. in a patriarchal society, and it creates a schism and a whole lot of madness. So 
when you were in that school, if you survived and, and, and stuck with those books, so you graduated, you can't you wait to graduate. Them. See them again. That's what it is. And see, that wasn't in your analysis in terms of what they told you. That's they always. That's always missing. They didn't unpack it. But when you come to Mossy Center, everything, you might as well bring a suitcase because we'd be unpacking all day long. And even kids get it. Even little children get it because they ain't stupid. This is amazing. But their parents don't tell them nothing. How do we how do we use these tools though for everybody? Because if the light bulb moments that we're getting in here, imagine if you were to sit down with a group and say, but listen. I do. All the time. We do that all the time. Wow. We have people that come and you know. But how does how, okay. So how does a group get to you? Do you bring is, is, do you go into school? Yes. Got it. So you work well, throughout the educational system and you work within groups that like contract with you. How does it work to be to be um, to have the Masi Center come out or people come to your center? What is what is the precipice for that? Well, it's Do a they, few things. One is a word of mouth. Word of mouth. OK. Um, for example, I was just involved in a, with a group called. Oh, God, they're a great group. Leaders of a Black. Leaders of a, a beautiful struggle. Yeah, Adam yeah, Jackson. Yeah, we had him on a couple weeks ago. Those people are wonderful. I'm gonna need you to listen to the um to Black Box Radio. Okay, well, because well, we had them on. Okay, I'm, well, I'm cool. gonna need you. Well, not, not a problem. I'm not a calling problem. you out, bro. But anyway, I'm, I'm trying to ask you a question too. So let's not <laughs> let's not get too distracted. Right. For example, uh, leaders of a black of beautiful a, struggle. Of a beautiful LBS. Yes. LBS. I have on one of my staff a former mentee of one of the leaders. Devon Love of LBS, who's on my staff. He's a who's bad somebody man. Who, oh, he's brilliant. He's amazing. Brilliant, he, young he, man. He's, you read his last paper. He's that a, boy, babe. That's so. See, don't get. He's he, he's amazing. He really amazing. is. But anyway, to get to your question, so I won't be here for the rest of my life and fall asleep like somebody else. Uh, let me stop. <laughs> Wow. Let me stop. Wow, that's shade. No, let me, that wow. was that was that time. That was shade. That was anyway, shade. Thing, everything was... else was not shade, but it was clarity plus shade. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that as a result of this young man being on my staff, okay, who grew and learned. See, the, the model I, that I use is called CTCA, which stands for Critical Thinking and Cultural Affirmation. Mm. And mm. what it does is it it creates a canvas to get people to be awakened and critically thinking. And then we bring in the cultural education. If you bring Ooh. people cultural education before they're ready, they'll say stuff. People say to you like, I don't hear about African stuff. I want to hear that. But, but once we break the trance and show what they're looking at, they, then they're hungry to hear the rest. So it's called CTCA. Well, critical this thinking. Critical thinking and cultural affirmation. Cultural affirmation. So this young brother who was working with LBS somehow came to a training that I did at Morgan, no, it was at Maryland, some university downtown, University of Maryland, I think it was. Okay. This young brother was in the audience. Um, there was some fights and stuff, not physical fights, but his, his, a lot of anti-black issues. Anyway, we did some, I did some breakthrough work with him okay. that um, frankly transformed him. And he and maybe some months later, he got on. He was he became on my staff, and he used to work closely with D Devon, who was his mentee for. He was involved in a um, debate thing with him. Right. Yes. So now, because the LBS knows where I'm at work and we have a connection, they had an event at Morgan that I was at, and one of the senior professors there wants me to talk to the children. This Saturday? Just the one just recently there? No, had? this was about a month ago. Oh, okay, about, okay. So my point is that's how connections are made. Got it. So sometimes also, it's through like it's through word of mouth, of it's through connections. Okay, and, and being wow. at Morgan is big because it's a it's a bunch of babies who are watching this stuff who without us being there, they would just grow up to be 
doctor self hate, whatever you know. They would they might get a degree, but the degrees does not deal with this issue. You're right. You're right. So, I graduated from Morgan. You're right. I, I'm also that I got on trauma. TV <laughs> a lot, <laughs> a black television and radio, and I don't know if you're familiar with Roland Martin. TV Love one. Roland, the Daily Digital. So watch him. He's my hero. So you never see me on the show. I'm on there every week. That's you. I'm on there every week. You sure? <laughs> you don't listen to our show? You ain't listen to our show? So anyway, that's that's one of the ways that I don't be having on this hat. But anyway. That is you. <laughs> yes, it is me. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, here she is starstruck. Now. I am amazed. Now that, because you know what? When I saw you, I said, I know that face. That issue. That hat. You, oh, you throwing me off. So. Dr. Clutch. Yeah, that's me. So, Family, I am Floyd. I am just Floyd. Go so ahead. Keep that talking. It's one of the ways also that the word gets out. Sure. And um, then my staff does outreach. Got it. Got it. Got but it. I want to say that um, there's still a lot of people that need to know. What? Matter of fact, 99% of the black population needs to know about it. Yes. And I'm also working on a book that will help to spread the word about the work as well. So the Center. We do the best we can. Black. Doing pro-black work in an anti-black society where everybody is anti-black, including black people, sure, is no joke. It's a it's a very it's very serious work that requires strategy, sleep, <laughs> and love for yourself as a black human being and black people to do it and not lose your mind. What kind of studying do you have to have to to have that? In, how are you so insightful? Like you unpack. This is us or whatever. You know, I don't watch TV. Right. But you unpack that. So oh, well, me- hold on a second. Did y'all know that Queen doesn't watch TV? Have, do, have we established that yet? <laughs> Dr. Clear, we always come up for me. Whatever. <laughs> um, but I don't. Cleo don't watch TV, y'all. Just in case you didn't know. Because he don't know none of the name of the shows he talk about. Dr. Cleo, you hear he messed up all the names. Because I watch him, some of them once. He call it King and, of well, Rome. Well, no, what I think this yeah. is you. Well, I think well, I think at some point <laughs> I'm like, what kind of show you talking? Well, about? if you're not watching it as a fan and you're just watching it critically, yeah, he's watching I, it for critical I, yeah. analysis. That's right. true. That's true. But, uh, let me speak about Queen of, I mean, King of Thrones. Just real Game of Thrones, hey, real right. quick. Yes, just because I can do it real quickly. I want to hear all the black people, and there's no black women except for one who's biracial in the whole show, in terms of a speaking role in the whole show. In the whole show. Who at some point gets her head chopped off, but that's a whole other situation. If he's seen it, he knows what I'm talking about. But um, but most of the black men in the show are either pimps, chasing white women, or literally have no penis. Really? Literally. Literally. They're literally eunuchs. And the only, only, the only black on black love story, and they're both biracial, is between a, a biracial black woman and a man with no dick. Really? You see this? Have you seen the show? I have seen it. Okay, so he knows what I'm talking about. It's, so, and, and, you, so, and then the, well, listen, they have a show with somebody with no penis. It's really? HBO. So, it's HBO. But so before they, I want to make before, before, before that, well, you know, a real thing. I know, they, they, but they, I mean, why? Is but that the show is fiction. It's, right. it's completely fiction, just like this Why is they us. Like they inventing, they inventing stuff for their story, for their storyline. Yeah, that's but what the I'm point I'm trying to make to you is that black people are into it and loving it. And there's there's three black men, one biracial. That's significant. I'll get into that in a moment. But there are three black men who have been in the show. One is some um, pimp like dude who chases white women in the middle of the desert. Another is a dude who's a pirate who steals from folks and also chases white women. 
and the no black women nowhere around between black people in the show, except for this eunuch and this light-skinned black sister who looks biracial as well, who works for a queen or whatever in the show. And it's a show full of white love and white drama and interaction and, sure. and nuance. But the black people have very little nuance and they're literally slaves or pirates or something negative without exception. So if you watch that show without a, without a um, critical analysis and you're black, you're guaranteed to internalize the anti-black messaging in the show. Wow. And so uh, people who are listening to this this broadcast would know what I'm talking about. They probably never thought about what I'm saying. Yes. When you, and they, and they, they never looked at right, it that way. And they can't way. accuse you of being too whatever, whatever. What you need to do is tell me if I'm right or wrong. This, right. When you look am, at am the I, characters, am I lying are you right? or not? Exactly. Is, is, is the question. Exactly. That's and the they, question. And, and when they, if they stop kissing white butt and being an unconscious white accommodationist and actually ask themselves those questions, uh -huh. they will be able to say, no, he's telling the truth. And yes, I am in love with, with Game of Thrones. And yes, I love all of it. And I hear so many people talk about that show. Wow. So, but we as but black all people. all TVs like that. Yeah, we don't know that. This the same thing that we consumes is the same thing keeps us from being who we are. Right. So, in that thought, how do we, since we're such big consumers across the board, how do we can? But you saying critical analysis? You said it. The only way to consume these these type of shows and whatever is to have a critical analysis through a, criti through a critical lens. Through, through a, a critical, critical lens, lens. and you have to be taught that. You have to be. I'm made aware of that, yes. So once you do you do are these shows now attractive anymore? Once you get this critical thought, I don't want to see well, that. Well, they're not attractive to me, but this is what's important. Even if you do I like dragons, you know, I'm not a robot. I like love, I like movies. I'm not that many, frankly. I don't, I mean if it don't if, if it doesn't feature black people, I don't watch it. Period. But um I do sometimes endure stuff that is not necessarily positive. On occasion, but I get it. I'm I'm, I'm looking at it through, a, through, a, through a critical lens, so I don't fall for the okie doke. Got it. I, I see what's going on. I see it. From, I, I see it a mile away. So I go, okay, there that is. There that you is. see it from about as far away from the mic as you. Yeah, were. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I box. see it. Well, I was dramatically. So I said a mile away. I was being dramatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I Man, the I wish y'all could hear, see hear that. Distance. He was he was giving no, us a distance. <laughs> 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 but your question was, <laughs> to answer your question, once people, get, you can't unring a bell. So once people see it, they see it. They right. see it. And now they can use it in other situations. Mm -hmm. In other words, well, like I, said, I have tons of stories. I don't want to bore you. So this stories, is giving got, you a tool. So this, this critical right. analysis is a tool. So you just, okay. I, I see you, this can is I a give foolish story. To give you Come my on point. With it. Sure. Okay. Cause I, you get, Come on with it. Critical um, thinking. The Masi Center has a project called Watu Wajua. Ooh. Watu Wajua. Watu Wajura. Watu Wajua is Swahili for children of the sun. So now Beautiful. you can put a gun in my head and I, I got that one word. <laughs> and you can live. Now you can live. W-A-T-U-W-A-J-U-A. Watu Wajua. And Watu Wajua means children of the sun in Swahili. And that's a program for babies as early as the parents want to bring them, if they think they can benefit from it, up to about the age of 13. Really? And what we do, among other things, is have them bring media that they like, meaning magazines or TV shows, whatever. And we teach them how to, first we let them watch it without the critical analysis. And then we ask them questions. To make a long story, when we get finished, they see everything. Really? But the story I want to tell you was that I was in Los Angeles. Um, this was years ago. And I was in a park called Lamert Park. 
hanging out in that. It's a very beautiful park in the predominantly black area before it was gentrified. And there was these two young people walking in my direction. They weren't coming to see me. They just happened to be coming in that direction. But I had on a Mossy, Mossy Center t-shirt. And they were about, they finally told me they were about, they were 15 years old. Well, to make this long story short, they recognized me because of the shirt. And then they saw me again. They said, I remember, we remember from the Mossy Center. Well, they used to go to the Mossy Watua Jewel Project when they were 10. Wow. They met when they were 10. They're both their parents just dropped them off and leave. And for the Watua Jewel Program, they had just seen a film called Burn the House Down or something. I've never seen the film, but it stars uh, Queen Latifah. And Burn, burning Down the House? I, I, I you think know that's what it's called. Name up. That's how he did. But I don't remember. But yeah, I think that's yeah. the, the, the anyway. To get to the point, these young people said we were just talking about you, not necessarily me personally, but the Amasi Center. Sure, we were just talking about the Watua Jewel program. These people were fifteen; they hadn't been to the Amasi Center in, in a couple of years. But they're using that. Tool. But they saw that film through with a critical lens. Yes, and they talked about how Queen Latifah was always accommodating white people, was always running to white people for help. Almost all the black men were criminals in the show. I mean, they, they broke it all down. And I was sitting there fighting back the tears. That's amazing. Because- So you have sit- had centers in LA as well? At the time, yes. Okay. We have since moved from LA. Okay. But we had a huge center in Los Angeles. That is amazing. And so they were using the tools. They were using the tools. And they watched this movie. I have not seen the movie, but I've talked to others about it. And they, and they said they were correct about what how black men were treated, even though it, was, it, was, it starred a black woman. It also starred Steve Martin. Yep. Queen Latifah's relationships to black men were all negative, right. all messed up. They were criminals, drug addicts, blah, blah, blah. Her relationship to white people were all wonderful. Yeah, Steve, she, he, was the, he was the- He was a white saint. savior. Yep. And the white savior myth, which is in so many films and it's all BS, is, how, is one of the reasons why we don't want to hurt their feelings. They didn't hung us. The cops are killing us. They're taking over our communities. They are they are dehumanizing us on dehumanizing us on a daily basis in media. Almost all the shows that are black are either rap shows or drug addict shows like Power. Yes. Built around drug Empire. addiction. They're doing horrible stuff to us, but we, we we forgive them all day long because we have bought into the myth of them being our savior. So we want to hurt their feelings. So if they kill us like Dylan Roof did in a church, in a church. we're going to forgive them in five minutes. And white people going to put the word forgive on all their newspapers all across the country to influence the rest of us to go to relapse into this sick white accommodationist behavior that we do. Because the opposite of white accommodation is, is unaccommodating black people. Mm. And that's what we do with the N word bolstering that behavior. So we unpack all of that, and I give you that story to show you that children or anybody can develop a critical analysis, but I don't want to make it sound like it's always easy. Sometimes in these classes, we get pushback. Mm. Like sometimes when one of the participants will ask me or one of my staff, do you hate white people? Mm. And I'll ask them, again, quiet and calm, you know, actively. Like remember when, when, when the white boy called Obama a liar at the <laughs> congressional meeting and he... <laughs> <laughs> he 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 going to keep that gig, so he went right. I, I watched him, and he you got to look at it slow. He had a reaction, but he but he pulled it in really really quick. My, I'm using that as an example, but almost trying to be funny. But the point is that <laughs> um, my staff is taught: look, crazy stuff going to happen. But be so very calm. Get some sleep, okay, and make sure that you can st- keep your equilibrium because they're going to ask because they love white people, they love white Jesus, none of which exist. I'm not saying God don't exist. I'm saying the white Jesus and the white God sure. does not exist. Sure, sure. Do you, do, Mr. or Dr. Monaco, do you hate white people? And I'll say to them, calm. Why do you ask that? 
And it's always silence because you don't even know when you're doing stuff based on impulse, you don't know why you're doing it. It's habit. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a quick answer. They'll say, well, some of the things you always ambiguous. Well, some of the things you say, I said, okay, keeping myself calm. What? What things am I saying? Well, the things you imply, I said, no, 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 no. What am I saying and what specifically that occurred? Yeah. Specifically, are you, are you talking about? And while they're sitting there unable to answer that question because it's based on an impulse and not a cognitive clarity, I'll say, have you ever asked somebody, do you hate black people? Be honest with me and yourself. Have you ever been been concerned and walked up to somebody and said, do you hate black people? Tell the truth. No. So why is a full grown Keep you can't do none of this. <laughs> why is, a, why is a, a, an adult black human being asking me in front of an all black class? Do you hate white? Do people? you hate white people with no clarity and no evidence that you can even say? Like I said something five minutes ago, or because everybody, because we give people, we purposely tell people to take notes. You know, sure. they get pads and paper from us. Take notes, please take notes, because there's going to be some things that you're gonna experience that you're going to forget because you're going to experience something over different things. So write it down. Sure. And then I'll ask the rest of the class. And again, you got to keep, you're already black and on, there's an unconscious anti-black tape going. So uh-huh. you got to stay calm. So uh, anybody else in class who ha- share her concern, do you, do you, uh, do you have that question? And people might have it, but they don't admit it at that point because they feel like I'm going to, Right, because you because you're gonna you they gonna think come, I'm, they come for them. Yeah. They, they, they know they need to. They got to have the answer to the follow up. <laughs> but what I do ask them that they do respond to, regardless of their concern, is: Have you or anybody asked anybody, do you hate black people? Uh, they respond and majority to them. Majority of them go no. I said okay. Well, let's let's look at that black people. Why are you? Because I I, I, I purposely say it ain't me. I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> but I'm asking you: Why are you? accommodating and saving white people who aren't even in the room and not even ever having the back of black people as an impulse. And obviously the constant response, I never thought about, well, that's what, that's what critical analysis remedies is. I have not thought about it. Critical analysis makes you think about it. Boy, that tool, if black folks got that tool, people are going to be scared. Because that well, tool is what serious. It does, I mean, what it does is it requires a certain level of precision in your speech. It couldn't precision in your think, your speech, and clarity in your thinking. Uh-huh. With those two things, those are the only things that stand up to critical analysis. Is when you are saying exactly what it is that you mean. That's right. And once, if you're doing that, then that stands up. That's they, right. They can't come at you like, "What? What did you mean by that?" Well, exactly what it is that I said is clear. But a lot of times we kind of talk, we kind of talk ourselves into our thoughts. We don't know what we're saying. That's right. So, mm. and that's epidemic. What he just described is epidemic. It ain't like three or four people's millions and millions and millions right. of millions of people families and way. communities and cities. Right. Talk Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, I went way. to a meeting here. Running a tape. Just, you just repeating a tape that's yeah. running in your head. I went to a meeting here wow. in Baltimore full of very powerful people. And if I say too much, it'll give it away. But the very powerful people in Baltimore who own major businesses here for years. Uh, and the whole conversation was submissive to whiteness. These people were already you know, rich already. Really? And I said, they were talking about 
limitations in terms of where black people can go and what black people can do. And again, it's not intentional. It's not intentional. It's it's it's, it's acculturated. I call it spiritual pus. You know, it's acculturated and it's un- it's the inflammation. It's from just it. yeah. yeah. And I see it again. Keeping my de- <laughs> I emphasize that because it's very important. Well, I saw you were really cold. Keeping my no matter how I'm really feeling. I want to yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because you can see I said, why is the implication in so much of the conversation that black people can't get beyond white people's bullshit? Why why the conversation is so stuck in this is how it's going to be when we're grown people with all these capacities, some of y'all millionaires um, that could actually create a whole nother paradigm that could bring us to another trajectory. Why are we settling? But the other issue there, which we don't have time to get into, is the infection of class. And what I mean by the infection of class, I'm, and I'm going to say this one because it's all out the bag. What's, which I, what the problem y'all having with mayors here in in, in Baltimore is <laughs> y'all Love have it. people who are cynical, who are ambitious, who want to have positions that look um, impressive like the mayor, but they're traumatized and unresolved and using these things to have mobility that's impressive on a class basis, but they're too cynical and anti-black to really be of service to black people in those in positions because that's not why they got there. They got there to be impressive. You put a lot of words in that sentence. Well, you got it on tape, I hope. So, so you say that. That's what that, that was happening at this, at, at, at this meeting is what I'm saying, too. The mayor wasn't there. But I'm saying that these are black people who. The leadership has gotten, issues, too. I made too. it. Yes. Um, I have been, learned to replicate whiteness and uh, um, F these N-words. Uh, I've. I've, I've, I've done something that's better than just being black, but it's, uh, but it's all unconscious. See, that's one thing I want you to understand that none of this is, they wrote this down. It's unconscious. Even the, even the black limiting conversation was, they were all into it and all, they didn't know they were doing that, but. That's just behavior. It's just, it's just the terminology I use a lot, which I haven't used that much on the show yet, but I, earlier when you listen, you hear me say that I'm a trance breaker. Yes. In my opinion, black people are in a, white supremacy trauma trance. And the trance has become culture, got us whispering and got us saying stuff it's like- It's called what, trance? I call, tra- like when you're in a trance, hypnotic trance. Oh, like a trance. Trance. Okay. okay. We are in a white supremacy impact trauma trance as a people. We're, in, we're, not fully, we're not fully present. I mean, what he just described, for example, in terms of us having thoughts or whatever, or ideas that we're not even crystal about is part of the trance. When you're when you're not in trance and you're clear, you can you can actually answer a question because you're awake and you are alert and you are in charge of your thoughts. Right. And you force other people around you to be clear. But most people are not in charge of their thoughts. And most people are, I'm talking about black people now are not clear. Not clear. That's at why this. That's why there's what what I call tick tick boom syndrome, where people tick, go go tick, off boom. and there's right. fights like at Popeye's chicken, crazy stuff. It's because we're always on the verge. We're, we're on the verge of of tick tick boom because we're we're unresolved. We're not. We're, we're so not. A lot of his behavior is like chaotic. From it's trauma. It's unresolved trauma that's become. We become entranced. We're not fully present. We're not fully here. When I'm in my classroom, and, so, and this could be on a PhD level, this has nothing to do with intelligence. This university has a black cultural center on the campus. 
And white, the white gay community is, is very, 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 very powerful. With black people who have been recruited, because it's not difficult to recruit black people to white stuff Never. in a white supremacist society where everybody's in a trance. It's Absolutely. not. It's, it's very, very easy. Very easy. Particularly when you watch TV and you see the likes of Lee Daniels and Don Lemon and blah, blah. These are all Calm black people out, who are brother. addicted to white folks. Ooh. And they're our role models. They have three black men who have shows on CNN. One is Van Jones. Van Jones. One is Don Lemon. Yes. And one is this brother named something, E something. He's a comedian. He's got a, a big bush. He got a big bush. Right to a white woman. Right to a white woman. Well, my point, yeah, that's his name. That's my point. That's him. All those men have a show and they all have white partners. All three of them. There's no such thing as an accidental pattern. It was a pattern. It ain't an accident. Wow. So that's by design. Yeah. There's, there's, there's like 60 million black people in the United Roland States. Because Roland can't get a job. He can't get no show. They never let Roland have no show up in that show. It's fucking, he and he has a beautiful truth. black wife, by yes, the way. Yes, and he's going to speak truth to power. Yeah. So, But that is amazing. You know, I never even thought about that. But the simulation is true. And they always... One thing about white people is they understand how to... Um, this is their system, Queen. They, they understand to maliciously... Yeah imply something without yeah. it being something that you know it being implied. But They're I, very but, good at it. Right, but I get it. I mean, I see it like I see yeah, this microphone. Yeah, because you got critical analysis. Yeah, I see it like, I, you know, it, they don't they don't get nothing past me. I'm telling you, For, because what you give, you giving me like this, in the, even though I don't put myself in places so they can, well, it's everywhere. Yeah. But I don't watch their TVs. You know, I try to always keep my oh, mind. You don't want to see me? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I try not to be in a place where I can be influenced as much. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you I better, select it's, what it's, I. It's, it's it's everywhere. The air that you breathe. It's it, it is. It, it, let me let me tell you something, sister. Okay. If you are a black woman and you have love from an, from another person, you're good. If you are a black person who's trying to find love among black people in this society, there's risk factor there. Well, I got risk factors. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you ain't watching TV, you are affected because white supremacy is a poison contamination right. that's in everything. So and it even interrupts our capacity simply to love each other. Wow. When you watch TV, like I said, when I mentioned CNN and those three, those three brothers, when people watching them and engaged by them, they they, they got there's a white woman there. And they picked those three black men with white women. For reasoning. Yeah. It's and they got sim- rid of symbolism. Roland Martin yeah. for a reason. It's symbolism. I predict one of the reasons that I don't want to focus on Roland too much, but one of the reasons we became friends is because uh, he was amazed when I that I had predicted that he would be let go before he even knew he was going to be let go. You knew it. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You can't speak truth to power. They're going to get rid of you. I don't care if you're on a black channel, orange channel. You cannot have the audacity to be, when it comes to political analysis, it's almost, Roland's almost second to none. He's brilliant when it comes to U.S. critical analysis, particularly from a black perspective. He don't got no competition. He's he's, he's bad. And when he was on CNN, he was breaking stuff down, and he wasn't acquiescing to, to, to white accommodationist energy like very everybody calm else about do. It. And, and 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 white people like we, don't, we we can't have that because they will influence he will influence other black people to be like that. We got to cut it off at the source. You know, I saw him on um, with AG, with the AG Trump's AG that left in like a day. Remember, he checked him right on CNN. I said, oh, Lord, this is, it's not going to be good. They, <laughs> I already knew. I said, Lord, it's not going to be good. But this, this is how it is. But I did not even understand the symbolism of the white mate, which means something. 
Yeah. It is, it's almost Let scary. Let me tell you something else. Try, they, try to find, um, uh, when you're watching TV, who outnumbers who? Biracial, family constructs, in terms of commercials and everything, or black-on-black couples. Well, see, always, you don't watch TV, but, but you can look at billboards and everything else. Yeah, They're pushing biracial. Right. They're pushing black people to be with white people. One of the goals of that, and that's a whole t- another show, we talking about is to make coming. sure that we are not loyal to each other. Yes. If we're not loyal to each other, we're not a threat to them. Yes. So they make they have they having us chasing Biff and Buffy and all that kind of stuff. And it's a device of um, they, they literally have commercials where there's a white father and a mixed child. You've seen those commercials, haven't you? Yeah. And these and these are actors. These are not real family. They don't even know each other. So they're putting this so together. So they're making just like just as us, well, just us, whatever it's called, <laughs> just like Game of Thrones. This is all made up. With so, an agenda. So when you watch anything, are you breaking it down? I or, can't help it. You can't. It, it's just. But I want people. I want my kids and and adults and people who, who go through our training to be the same way, because that's how we're going to be healthy. That's how we're going to be healthy. We got to do this critical thought. We yeah. got to use it on Without everything. Without it, it's like being in the middle of the street on the freeway and constantly getting hit and not knowing why you're getting hit. With well, and the next level of that is as an artist, as a creative person, is to make things that counter it. Um, so it's one thing to recognize is recognize it. And it's another thing to use those tools of storytelling and art to present another message or sure. to, to turn things around. Yeah. yeah absolutely. But one of the challenges of that, and I completely agree with you, but one of the macro challenges is that we only have micro opportunities to do that at film festivals. Right. Well, I think it's the t- true. television, they don't, we don't, they don't have a they don't, movement. They don't allow the, that. Yeah. Well, one of the things too um, is uh, one of the, again, an advantage of technology is the fact that mass media has disintegrated. There's a million different channels. Sure. So you have the ability, if you're diligent enough and if you are um, focused enough, to build your tribe, to build uh, an audience of you people. You can carve can out have, the space. You can yeah. carve out the space. And even if you're just starting with a few, that few can amplify the message all over the place. So even though the, the tools of mass media, they, they're, they're kind of losing their power anyway because everyone is a media company. Sure. And the attention is splintered in so many different directions. So it's, a, it's an important moment because, because that, that creates an opportunity where something that's micro can become like macro, you, right? You have so you in, said it's an important moment, like in media, whereas it's, yeah, it's a, a, an important moment it's really in no history. template anymore with technology, right? You have you have like small, independent, two or three person operations that have a larger audience than CNN. That's true. That's true. Um, so that's so that that is what is out there. Um, and, and of course you do run into the, um, the barrier of people don't want to hear it, but, but that's where the craft comes in really, because just like the things that you consume that you aren't aware of the impact because of the way that it's buried in there, you can turn that trick around well, so, well, I, and, and, and be positive. What you're saying is way. absolutely true, but what has to occur first, and it's similar to what we've already discussed, you have to have the the ability to fathom what you're talking about. Right. You have to fathom it first. Mm-hmm. If you don't value it, I mean, one of our one of our most um, popular T-shirts at Amasi is a shirt that says "Value Black People." 
That's a, that's a very important message because we don't value black people. But you have to value getting beyond white supremacy mm-hmm. to go and look for things beyond white yeah, supremacy. It has to be an intentional move. Yep. Because um, you value culture, but you don't value you value black culture, but not black people, and that's the and that's the issue. So, how do you get past that? Well, I'm doing the best I can in terms of creating the Amasi Center, yep, being on Rolling Show. Um, and but you other, got something uh, else here: this and, Black Men's Exchange National, the BMX. Well, the Black Men's Exchange National, all of my work is centered around CTCA, Watu Wajua. The Amasi Center is built around the CTCA model, and Black Men's Exchange is an organization that addresses diverse Black men, and the diversity is in class, sexuality, philosophy, and perspective, and so that project deals with un- unpacking normalized white supremacy and harvesting a positive black self-concept through these same strategies. It's just another organization that has a particular focus, which is black men. And so if you, and that's amazing because you said sexuality. So because in the black community with sexuality, masculinity, I can't really talk about it. I'm a woman, but um, yeah, I mean. You, you yes, talk you about everything. Well, I'm just saying, you know, coming from a male standpoint, but from, you know, with with sexuality and being in the black community, we know how, you know, with gay men, you know, and you're saying that you deal with sexuality. So do you deal with that type of when it comes to critical analysis and being able to approach like um, what gay males go through? Because you said sexualities, you said diverse yeah. black male population. Definitely because se- black males are gay and they are going through. So I'm just, you know. Well, uh, in, in an attempt to find your question. Uh, <laughs> right. I Did have he to, say find? I have, in attempt, yeah. Because I, a lot of times when we deal with black men, we don't deal with the sexuality. Right portion because it's a hard pill for black people to talk about. Well, so I always want to talk about well, things talk that about, we... Let's talk about the hard pill and let me ask you a question first. Okay. When I said sexuality, I'm in sexuality, which means we explicitly um, invite, engage, and do work with same gender loving, bisexual, and heterosexual, and, okay. non, and non-identifying black men and their allies, God. which could be God. women sure. and all kinds of people could be because we bring in the whole family, the whole black family sure. at every opportunity. But we d- definitely deal with the sexuality issue. What I want to say real quickly is that the reason that black people have issues with dealing with homosexual black men in particular yes. is because we have a history of black males being emasculated. Uh, effeminized, sure. incarcerated, compromised, lynched, murdered. And there's black people on, on an unconscious basis who wonder if this homosexuality stuff is a symptom of that trauma. Got it. And do not have the skills or the clarity to say that. And what's said, is just like just like in many cases, the N-word is what's said when people are frustrated. We'll hear faggot and abomination and all those other kind of things and these judgments that mm-hmm. come out as opposed to having the clarity and the peace of mind to sit down and say, let me, uh, let's talk about this. I don't get this. I don't like this. We had a program in LA called Straight Talk with Straight Sisters, which was a project that created conversations between same gender loving black men and heterosexual black women. And the whole purpose was to unpack and demystify the isms everybody had with each other. Yes. And wow. people learned all kinds of stuff. We got a similar project in New York, not straight talk with straight, not straight talk with straight sisters, but unpacking the black diaspora 
or we had people from Ghana, from the Caribbean, all over the place who are taught to be taught by white supremacy and where they are in the colonial spectrum to be against each other, who don't even know each other's story. Like, for example, there's Caribbean people, Caribbean people come over here who are very ambitious and who work hard, who look at you and go, what's wrong with you, black people? Yes. Y'all don't got y'all shit together. Why y'all not? And then when they learn the whole story. There's some mechanisms in place. They, ha- they All they know is uh, they saw Eddie Murphy, yep. you know, and they don't, they don't know about yeah. any of that, but they know when we get finished. It's another critical thing in the culture affirmation context to unpack stuff so we can get clarity. So, um, but the Black Men's Exchange addresses sexuality, but I was want to make it clear to you <laughs> that the, the pushback to dealing with that in our community is not simply that black people hate. It's another trauma. Castration, like I told you earlier, I don't know if he was in the room or not, the kind of brutality that we experienced at Black Wall Street just imagine watching a black man be burned alive and incastrated, who was your uncle or your neighbor or just a human being. We oh saw God. that for not three days, not three weeks, not not a season, but for centuries. And particularly a brother who stepped up, he could be qu- quartered. You know what quartered is? No. Quartered, and they did this shit. I'm cussing because it pisses me off. They they tied a horse like he did. They tied a horse. If you were strong, if you were a strong brother that didn't take their stuff, or a woman, because Mary Turner, this happened to Mary Turner too, who who came out, you can look at Mary Turner up on, on Google, who came out angry about her wife, excuse me, about her husband being lynched. They tied her up, poured gassy on her, burned her alive, and cut her baby out of her stomach and stepped on his foot. The baby, well, I don't know if the baby was his or her, but they stepped on the baby's foot. Mary Turner. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that so cool. Quartering, as he was demonstrating, is when they tie a horse to each lamb, hit the horse on the butt, and they pull you apart. So you to, apart. to symbolically show the black people, don't do that. Yep. This and we, and we went through that for a long, long, long time. And we went through that so long that the trauma became culture. It became normal. It became um, what we ate about to gain weight and, and have all kinds of you know yes. health issues. What we what we drank about. Sure. What we fought and beat up each other about. Yes. What black. What, what How men we beat our kids. Beat women. And, yeah. All that stuff was acting out an unresolved trauma. Wow. So my work is it's a trance is about taking us out of trance and unlearning all that kind of crap and put it putting it in context. And I want you to know, and once we get going, as opposed to being resistant. Uh-huh. The same way, leave me that black stuff alone. People are leaning in and hungry for more. Because once you get past because, that layer, once you take them out of the trance, sure, sure, sure. See, sure. most things like that meeting that you and I went to, what bothered me is that people sitting there all up in the trance, oh. and 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 it was being talked around, not on purpose on the black people's part, but then you had this brother who's with a white woman, who was the only brother in leadership there, who, in my opinion, got an issue. <laughs> And he's the he's a, he's the only black leader in the in this white thing. It's like CNN. He said he was the fixer. Like you know, what I mean, why I mentioned the CNN. It's not an accidental pattern. Mm. I'm like, no, nah, y'all need to be able to talk about what black people are living in and unpack trauma and and, and restore our, our self concept and, and admit that there's an injury here that we got to fix before all this stuff y'all talking about. But that's what you on. said, and that yeah. was so poignant to me. You said that if you want to fix anything. You got to first concurrently deal with the trauma at the same time. Because yeah. if you don't, then whatever you fix, they're going to tear it up. Yes. And, and that's the truth. And that's what and, happens. And that's what happens all the time. People the come time. into situations, into urban communities and want to clean up, clean up, but they never want to clean up the product, the people. And one reason why they don't want to clean, they don't want to clean it up. And this is important. This is the most important thing I'm going to say tonight mm. is because 
you can't be a white accommodationist and be of benefit to black people. It's Ooh, impossible. It's impossible. And they come in here and they're they're glad that Sally and Biff and they are there, are there and they're fro- frolicking and being white and everybody black is impressed and, 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 and steeped in a myth of their inferiority to, 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 to Biff and Buffy. And the trauma is laden and people are, might open up a school or give some money. Yes. And white people get off on the myth of their, their inf- excuse me, their superiority. They, they getting off on it. It's like sure. crack. It's like crack. And they're yeah. loving their, their, their superior position. While they're, quote, helping black people and black people are co-signing unconsciously their superior position. And it's a big power trip they're enjoying as they help you. And if you're black and ignorant, which is not difficult in the United States, you're just so glad that Biff and Buffy is there. And when it don't work, it's the N-word's fault. You Mm. understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. But what's happened is that that the person who's symbolic of black trauma, which is Biff and Buffy, shouldn't even be here in the first place. Yes. Yes, it should be it should be trained black people who who have the capacity to love black people at home and at work. Yes, who have skills. You just loving black people ain't enough. You got to have some skills too. Have some skills. Who have the transformational or educational skills or cultural skills to come in and do all like whatever the hell they're talking about. It can't be the Biff from the Appalachians in leadership. Matter of fact, from from my perspective, he shouldn't be nowhere in a room. Not to be hateful, but for example. When you go to a women's clinic, a rape clinic, the majority of people there are women. Sure. To make sure that women have safe space. Sure, sure, yep. That, that sometimes there's a man there who's a doctor, but every chance they get, they find a female doctor because they want a non-traumatizing safe space where there's no weapon, which in this instance is considered the dick. That's true, that's true. So when we do work for black people, it needs to be a safe space where nobody white is nowhere in there. All black. All black. And people in charge who have the everyday flowing capacity at home and every place else to love somebody black. That means people with the white Biff and Buffy wife and stuff, God bless you, but they can't come and you can't lead. I'm talking about in my work. Now, people can do what they want to do. You know, I can't control the world. But they're not coming up in that But they're not coming in the Mossy Center. (laughs) No, sir. No. Now let's say work for Comcast and they put a you know light in the room. Or, That's about it. And, and they, where is this Amasi Center? It's on Maryland. Um Maryland I, I, Avenue? Yeah. Okay. And that's all I'm gonna say right now. Okay. Because cool. we prefer that people contact us and get information before they know what I we totally are. Understand. Because I totally folks understand. Folks can be crazy. Okay. So the Masi Center, but it's up. but it's open for black people. Yes. All day long. All day long. Okay. And that's it's, all we it, need it, to know. It, it exists in honor. And in great love for black people. Love it. That's why it exists. That's why it exists. And ain't no white man pulling those strings in the back, but the building, we own the building. Love and, it. And, you know, and, you know, and, I, and I have to say it one more time because of our anti-black unconscious and Cato Kalin syndrome, that this is not an issue of hate. I gave the metaphor of the rape clinic to yep. make my point. It's not that everybody in that place hate men. Sometimes there's people in there who do. But hating men is not the goal. The goal is to create guaranteed safe, safe space spot. for women who have been traumatized usually by men. Sure. sure. I create safe space for black people who have been traumatized by the myth of white supremacy and black inferiority, which came from white folks. Yes. So they can't be in the room during the safety re- re- reparative regenerational work. They, they, they can't be in the room because they are they are a diversion and an interruption. They're symbolically. Of the, of the issue. Symbolically, they yes, are. Yes, they are. Yep. So they, they, they can't come. Because I want to make sure that the next next time my black my my black participants even deal with them is from a place of power and clarity, not from the myth of inferiority. 
So you, all of these analysis that you did tell me about, were you, did you create them? Yes. Oh, so you create all of the, the BCA, the CTCA, yep. you know, Watu Wajua. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, we're impressed. I knew I would be impressed. You got to come back. <laughs> You go to Roland every problem. week. We need you every, every Monday. I'm on every there. Mo- every Monday. Yeah. No, you're not coming up here every Monday. <laughs> no, 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 I'm on Roland's, Roland's every Monday. Monday. See, no, no, no. You you say you were there every week. You need to come here every week. No, I was no, just no, saying no, no. that. I, I know he come here. He, every he week. asked about she, she asked about Roland Martin. I right, said right. I'm on there every Monday. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, I actually saw him. Um, I gotta tell my story. First time I we'll ever see went if to it makes it to Louisiana. We're not gonna make it in time. And um, I went to the Essence, and I've never been New Orleans. Great, yes. Great New Orleans. I went this year. And I was walking, and who walks by me but Roland Martin? And I said, hey, Roland. And he spoke. But um, it was so amazing that he's like a person. I'm not a journalist. So he is one of those people that, you know, he speaks truth to power. He has a great show. I watch it. So I'm always like watch where, where do you watch it at? I watch it on my um, phone, and I see your face, and I cannot believe I did not know that hat, <laughs> that Dion, and you wore a hat when I saw you before. But yeah, I it's, it's a um. So I can't believe it. That's not why, what, that's not why watching, I wear it. Uh, what, not watching TV is a technicality because if you watch a TV show on your phone, you still watch your TV. <laughs> but he is he on television? He's, he's digital now. He's digital. Excuse but me. But it's set up like a TV show though. Yeah, and he's there. He's there every day, right? Yeah, every, he, he yeah, puts something I, out. Every day. Five days a week. Yeah. But you know what I love it's about live Roland? at six o'clock PM. How he you know, he repackaged himself and put himself out on digital. That's beautiful. You know, that that's something that um is a great template for us young people who are out here, you know, looking at him. He's really he's he's really doing a great thing. Not that I'm trying to do a daily show, but it was amazing to see what he did after leaving um TV one. I don't know why that show ended. That's that show was the bomb. Well, you know why it ended. It ended for the reason you probably assume it ended. And what, what was that? Um, we've already discussed the fact that the white supremacy media canvas does not allow, on a sustained basis, voices that will what I, do what I call trans-breaking. Got it. For example, the first thing Viacom did when they bought out BET was got rid of all the new shows. All of them. Remember, they used to have Beverly Beverly Smith. Yes, they, sure they had did. they had three new shows, which are trans breaking. It's trans breaking to get news in black black centered ana- black analysis. Lens. Yes, and they said no, 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 no. We got to get rid of that. Same as they got rid of our senior hall show, all of that. They said no, we can't have. We got to have a canvas that keeps them in the trance. We need them in the trance. They cannot be out of this trance. So, so time- will we ever be able to control that type of media, though? Will we be ever ever able to put shows out that we will can, transform? At people? the risk of sounding corny, but I'm but I'm serious. We can literally do anything. That's not the issue. The issue is similar to what he raised early in terms of that these press or these media opportunities are there right now, more accessible than ever, independent. But from my perspective, we don't have the imagination because of the trance. Or we don't value it. We call it N-word stuff, militant stuff, that black stuff. I don't want to talk about that black stuff because we don't want to unconsciously offend our white God. Got it. We don't want to offend white people. And it's all unconscious. So it's not there. It's I mean, us. you see all these sisters with blonde hair? <sighs> Platinum blonde hair. I've seen it all Ooh, your time. color. I'm talking about your, 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 your clothes. I totally understand. They come outside, not on October 31st or whenever Halloween is. That, but, that's fashion. But every, and, and they look ridiculous to me, but. And but that's fashion, you know. Self-hate on a stick. 
But it's normal. It's kind of like oppression culture. It's normal. That can't be normal. I would it never was do that not to normal. I, 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 I should change the word. It's normalized. It's normalized. It's not normal. It's not normal for a black woman to have a, a bomb. No, it's Wait, not. Let me, like, let, me, like let me be clear, sisters. No, it's it not. It is unnormal. And it's self-hate. For you to have a blonde wig. It's self-hate. You're African. And let me give you an example of that is self-hate. There is not an epidemic of white women with Afro puffs. Not near one. There, there might be some individuals who in the Rasta community, whatever, trying to have some locks, but that's like a minority, minority community. Yep. If if it was not, if it was simply fashion, then there would be equal translation of everybody's cultural Equal look. consumption, you're right. No, no, no. It's y'all all got blonde hair and it's disproportionate to black people that you got blonde hair and white people ain't doing the same thing. So it's a white supremacist impulse, people, and it's not fashion. Wow. Fashion doesn't have one color of hair. You see, critical analysis applies to fashion, everything. to beauty, everything. You need it for everything. Wow. Okay, we learned something today. Dr. Cleo, you got to come back. So should I tell people where to find me at? That's next. I'm going to tell you right now. We're just going to... No, no, no. Yeah, we, I'm just saying, you know... You blew it. You kept talking. We appreciate, we, appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate you having, having you here. But yes, we want to know where you are, how people get in touch with you so they can get this transformative behavior. So how do people get in touch with you? Well, my email is Dr. Cleo Monago. That's D-R, Cleo Monago. At spell the, Monago. Spell it. Mary Apple, Nancy Apple, G-O, Monago. Cleo, okay. not Cleopatra, just Cleo Monago. D-R, Cleo Monago at bmxnational.org. Yes. That's Barry Mexican X ray national.org. And um, our website is www.omasi. That's A M as in Mary, A as in Apple, S as in socks, S I, A M A S S I dot com. Does that mean something, Omasi? The African American Advocacy Support Services Survival Institute. Got it. And it's not African hyphen American, it's African, comma, American. The difference is that it's all kinds of Africans who have been involved in our work, and we're in America. Got it. So it's no As opposed dash. to African hyphen America, which is really us only, basically. Got it. Well, I'm African, comma, American. <laughs> <laughs> you better know it. <laughs> and thank you very much for inviting me to the show. And it was great to meet you the other night, and I'm glad that we... I f- followed up. Yes, I am. I'm, and family, I want ch- I want y'all to know this. I talked to Dr. Cleo this morning, and he said he would come on the show this afternoon. That's the blessing of Black Love. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate you. And you know, we didn't know you were celebrity. So <laughs> now we know you're celebrity. It's all good. So the box is celebrities <laughs> coming on the box. So, so now. next time you call, he's gonna be brand new. Yeah, he's he gonna, gonna say, gonna uh, give him like a week notice. Next call time. my friend. Uh, yes. Yeah, my people. Call your people. <laughs> <laughs> Queen, I'll never do do you like that. So I really appreciate. It. And listen, we gotta do some collaborations with this trauma because really we gotta expound on this because the people need to get some analysis in their pockets. That's why I'm in Baltimore because it's predominantly black, it's almost 70% black Mm -hmm. and there's great need here. Great need, it is unbelievable Mm -hmm. need. So you have a talent, you know, all of it, everybody comes here, they display their talent. You know, we get people like you, so smart and intelligent and then they start singing. They just start (laughs) singing like, ooh, uh, we don't have a bass. We've kind of discussed. And you uh, might be a bad rapper. You might no, be no, Tupac no, no, no. undo. No, 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 no. no. My, my, my <laughs> no, other skill, which I haven't dabbled in in, in ages, is I'm a musician. 
Okay. I'm, I'm a writer as well, which has artistic capacities in it. Oh, but okay, so you write. As a matter of fact, I'm glad I was a musician because similar to what he was saying earlier, I'm paraphrasing now, The being a musician and being a creative person gives access to what some of us call the third space. You know, like if you, if you, I don't know if you do any poetry or you've ever done something where you leave your body and mm-hmm. go beyond what you plan into another realm and start throwing down. Right. That's what music so flow. The Christians call it anointing. Right. But I don't use that many Christian metaphors because the, the Christian community is one of the traps that mm-hmm. keeps white, that keeps black people in That's a trance as well. But it's a familiar word, anointing. Sure. Right. But what he mentioned too, um, when you just, um, Freestyle, blah blah blah. Yeah. But, so but, music but, puts you in that place. Haven't, haven't the had third that space. Haven't had that experience as a musician of playing and going there is part of my work. I mean, it's this thing you call an intelligence and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. And what he put on tape that I didn't say later because he knew I was riffing. Uh, he's a mess. I mean, a good mess. <laughs> but anyway, because he's so insightful and he's right. Yep. Um, that's part of the third space, and I'm often in the third space. Ooh. And I'm glad I was a musician. Because it, it gave me introduction, you. right? It, it 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 opened up your door. Yeah. At at a certain level of music, uh, if you have reach a certain level, it's almost having experienced like a psychedelic experience. Ooh. Like you know, a lot of people like have have taken some sort of psychedelic drug at some point, even if they don't use it anymore, they are aware of this other space that exists. So that's one of the vehicles so, so that it's a place. You know that that place is real. And what Ooh. you want to try to do is you, I mean, it's you can't. It's like getting high. It is getting high. You know, because people are trying to get to another right. space. You know that in that space, there is absolute clarity and you are absolutely present because otherwise you falling off. Like you can't exist in that state without being present. So it, it, it's, a, it's a state of absolute. But motivation is important too. Some people go to that space because they hate. Their normal space, right? They they try to escape to right. it, wow. and and see, I go to that space not because I hate. So the talent I'm, I'm can be fine. a bad place sometimes. It can your talent well, the reason or your for gift. going there. The the motivation for going there, if it's an escape, if it's it's a, if escape from the unresolved symptoms of of terror and trauma and anti blackness society, you don't necessarily get all the fruits. Of being in that space because you still and you the traumatized person is still who that is right in that space. Right, it's then because and then when you come out of that space, then you medic you have to medicate right. Oh, that's because I'm talking you're, about Michael. Yeah, because you aware you aware you oh, aware my, of my, um, yeah. Once you wake up to that Michael possibility, Jackson, I always talk about him and his trauma. When you are aware <laughs> that that space exists and you come back out of it, then yeah, it is very much a down. It's it like sounds a, like euphoric. It's wow. a it's it's very much a um uh, a hangover that you yeah. have to deal with. Wow! If you like you said, if the trauma is there, it's still going to be there for you. So you need to be healthy. I need to find my third that's space. Be, that's why people become addicted. You think mm-hmm. you can help me with my third space, bro? Oh no doubt. I've never been to there. I don't think I've ever been I, to the third I, space. I, 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 well, I don't know you enough to know I'm not if you an have. Artist, but, you know, but I, I don't do music. I bet you found. I bet you some kind. Of, if I talked to you enough, I bet you you have been to. You have. Oh, okay. It's, it's just I haven't recognized what it is. Because, for example, in an anti-black society, to have the kind of analysis that you had, and you, you and I were the only ones who had it, and that room full of people, sure was, <laughs> has some third spaceness to it, because most people are too inundated to go there. Got it. And that's why they look at you and go, hey, blacks. I'm these are black people, by the way. They tell me all the Here time. Here we go. 
you know, you ought to, you always got to be in Africa. You ain't rolling your eyes. You are like sitting in your body. I'm, yeah, I'm going Africa next. Yeah. You know, what are we talking Whatever. about? It's all Africa over here. There, there's some third space to, to even having that capacity. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So I just haven't recognized. Having it's... the capacity to care. Mm, true. That's true. That's true. So even, you know, to this care. Is, this is third space work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, okay. Now y'all talking. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Good job. All right. Dr. Cleo, last will and testament. Because you're going to give us no talent. I know you got some spoken word or something for you, for us. Well, no. I okay. Don't, I don't All right. Well, I need that last word. Give give the family something good. The last word, something good. I've last talked word so I've talked so much. Um I guess my last word would be kind of repetitive in terms of my whole reason for being is that it's important that black people realize and admit that we live in an anti-black context. We do not live in a neutral context. We live in a society that's anti-black. And that, that's been the case for so much of our lives, our great-grandparents' lives, without evaluation or recognition. We've, we've internalized some unhealthy habits that we think are normal and just inward S-H-I-T. I don't know if I can cuss that on the show. Oh, you done cussed a couple okay. times, so. Well, we keep on cussing, bro. <laughs> so, Spelling and then curse. Some of the stuff that we think is, is so-called nigga shit that we blame nigga the black shit. people are, are the symptoms of unresolved trauma, white supremacy, trauma, trans stuff. And we need to come out of it so we can realize who we really are because black people are, I got to cuss and say and say a word that we had, we really have changed. It was black people are the shit. The shit. We really are. There's a reason why everybody's constantly copying us. Constantly. Constantly trying to cover what we've done. Constantly trying to make the people from Kemet, so-called Egypt, white. When you can go there, and I've been there and seen I with my own eyes. I just listened to something today about they black, that. They black. They 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 like they. I mean, they're black. But even Egyptians sometimes don't embrace that they're African. Well, see, we don't have time. That's, okay, no, okay. no, 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 no. Sorry, see, sorry. first of all, I can say this real clear and quick. They've been that place has been colonized by the Greeks, by the French, and by the Arabs. It's so it's convoluted. Yeah, got back it, got in the it. day when they were pure. They weren't even there, those people. Got it, got it. So, have you been? We, no, I haven't been. Okay, well, I some would, of them will tell you. I want to go. I want to go. Our no, tour I haven't guy been. who was Arab said, he had the nerve to say it like this. He said, I don't want to be offensive. Now, we all black. Uh-huh. He said, I don't want to be offensive, but this is black folk shit. That's what the, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the tour guy said. And he, uh, it was so sad about, how white supremacy works is he was worried about offending us by telling us that. Ooh. And I said, oh, And I'm, this is in Egypt? This is in Kemet. In Kemet. They call Kemet, it Egypt. Which is Egypt. I have it on video. Egypt. I can show it to you not tonight, but That's I mean, a, but I it's on video because I, I filmed it all. And he the said, The Greeks changed the name. I don't want to be, he said, I don't want to be offensive to you all. And we're black, but black people did all of this. So I hope you're not offended. I'm like, because he's met some black people who probably were offended. You know, some black white supremacists who probably were offended. We need. A, we got a lot of work, family. A lot of work to do. A lot of critical analysis. But it could be done, family. It could be it's done. Doable. It's doable. It doesn't even take that long. Um, it's just you got to get into the into a Watu Wajua or or CTCA course, and trust me, the transformation can happen within the day. Because the truth is always available. It's right next to us, but white people has got has put blinders on us. Wow. Well, that's the last word. You guys, Dr. Cleo Monago, we appreciate you. Thank you for the invitation. We really appreciate it. G? I'm good. You good? 
Well, we got to have you back. Sure. Um, so we got to talk about this. Uh, continue to uh, give the people some tools. So um, you know how to hit us, Black Box Radio, um, B-L-A-K, Box, B-O-X-X, Radio, R-A-D-I-O, dot com, or blackboxradio at gmail.com. You can leave us a little word. Check out our y'all, Facebook. The Gram and Twitter. Get in touch with us. Black Box Radio. We're a media platform for black excellence. We out. Peace. <laughs>